Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited. Um, I want to carry on with my series that I started last week. I, st- I, called it, I started a series last week called Manifest. Um, and the, the word manifest um, comes from, well, I, I, it's, there, it's numerous times in, in the Gospels, but I used the scripture from 1 Timothy 3.16, and it said, and it was talking about the mystery of godliness there. It says, great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up into glory. And and, and we spoke a little bit last week about mystery. So I'm going to touch a little bit about last week's message and because I know last week was a chunky message. I want to encourage you to go and um, listen to it again. And maybe you have to listen to it a few times to just to, to get hold of some of these truths because this is an awesome, awesome truth that if will change your heart, it will change your life if you lay hold of what I believe God is trying to communicate um, to us. In, but this word manifest um, out of... Uh, this, the uh, Thayer's says this, to make actual and visible, to make known by teaching, to become, um, uh, to make uh, exposed to view, to show oneself, to appear, to be plainly recognized, thoroughly understood who and what one is. It's the word manifest. And, and we were speaking about Jesus and, and um, from John 1 verse 1, um, we, we went into and we touched on these two words, the Greek words for, there are two Greek words for the word, word. And in John 1 verse 1, it says, long, uh, sorry, uh, in the beginning was the word, and that is the word logos. In the beginning was the logos, the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, I'm jumping down to verse 14, and the word became flesh. The Logos became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And I, you know, whenever we use the word glory, I mentioned the word glory hasn't got to do with a glowing little head. Jesus didn't float on sort of like on a hoverboard when everybody else was walking, and He didn't have a sort of a glowing disc behind His head. The word glory is that He manifested the view and opinion of God. He was who He was. And so he, we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then verse 18 of the same chapter, John 1 says this, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. And um, went into Hebrews 1, uh, sorry, yeah, Hebrews 1, long, verse 1, long ago and at many times and in many ways God spoke to us, to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things through whom He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. There's that word again. He is the radiance, the outshining of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He's the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Um, Colossians 1, now I'm just repeating these scriptures because they are, they pay attention, latch hold on to what God's saying here. He is the image, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God, and we just read there that he is the exact imprint of of his nature. Jesus, in these last days, you see it says there so clearly in in Hebrews 1, it says that in times past, he spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the law. He revealed himself in pieces, but really it took 
Jesus and the manifestation, manifestation, manifestation to make him clear and known. Jesus was the clear way God absolutely revealed God. So people say, well, if you just show me God, then I will believe. Well, yes, we have a very clear picture of who Jesus is. And like he said to Philip, when Philip said, just show us the Father. And he said, Philip, haven't you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the exact imprint of his nature. You see, God is a spirit. God is not a, he's not a, so people have often said, well, he's, this is what God looks like. He has a freckle on this side and he has a mole on that. No, it's got nothing to do with his image. It's got to do with his character and nature. Jesus, you know, some people portray God as the mean ogre up in heaven and Jesus is the kind of sweet one down here that is like sort of interceding. Like we've got this wrathful God with a big old club ready to beat you with a refrigerator repair or, you know, crush you for your kid or whatever it is. You know, he's, he's out there and Jesus is the kind sweet one saying no don't do it don't do it you know there's this image like no 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 they are one and the same father son and holy spirit are three yes that we can't it is a sort of a mystery it is something that we as i spoke about mysteries and mysteries are the bible has a number of them but mysteries aren't anything but you growing in you're growing in a revelation you're growing in an understanding that's what a mystery is as you yield to grow into and to get something established in your heart you take a step forward you take a step deeper you get more of a clear picture that's really what a mystery is that's how a mystery is revealed. It comes by degrees, steps and steps, from glory to glory. As you receive what you have from God, you are able to latch hold of it, get it, get an image, and, and take another a step. You're right. So, so God is this, this single unified person, but here we see him manifested in the flesh. It is a powerful truth, and you've heard me say it many times, I'm sure, but when you see the life of Jesus, not just his words, but yes, his words, yes, what Jesus said, but Jesus said, if you've seen my father, what, I don't do anything that I don't see my father doing. I don't say anything that I don't hear my father saying. You see, before Jesus came to earth as Jesus of Nazareth, he was the Logos of God. And, and we, we broke that out into Logos is, the, is, is really the, the logic. It's the intention. It's, the, it's who God is um, in, that, in that person. In the beginning was the word. It says, we went into it last week, all the scriptures that say nothing was made that, was made that wasn't with the word. He, he was the manifestation of God's logic, his intention, his personality. All of that is in the Logos, right? And, and, and then there's the, the rhema, and, and some of you are familiar, if you've been in sort of charismatic word of faith circles, there was, there was sort of a teaching about rhema being God's, you know, sort of a, just a revelatory word. It's not really that, actually. If you go and study the Greek and even the historical Greek, it's not sort of a revelation of God. It's really just the spoken word of God. It's when, when, when word was taken and spoken, that was a rhema. There was a spoken word word. Now, do we get revelation? Yes, certainly. As we apply these things, we can lay hold of these truths. But here, just um, stick with this little foundation that we're going with over here. We, we see that Jesus was the manifestation 
of the very intention of God. He is the image of the invisible God. Now, this is super powerful because I made this statement last week. The Bible is not the word of God. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. And I know some of you are ready to rush out the door. Just hold you on. The, Bi- the Bible is a combination of 66 books by different authors. It contains the word of God. It is not the word of God. What do you mean, Shannon? Glad you asked that question. Okay. No, no, because the Bible is a combination of, of different things that one needs to understand. When you approach, when you, it is all, Scripture is God-breathed, it says in Timothy. All Scripture is God-breathed. I love the word. Some people, it's God-breathed. There we go. God-breathed out. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Powerful. But, not all, but, but a lot of scripture that we see, like if we go into Chronicles or Samuel or Kings or any of those books, or even Job, many of those are historical books. They are actual recorded uh, history of what certain kings did, evil and good kings alike, what they said, how they acted. So, so you can't take something Job said or one of his buddies, and say, that is the truth. That is who God is. No, it's not. That's what Job said in mistake. That is what, the, you've got to understand, you can't just, like I called it, Christian Ouija board. People use the Bible like it's some kind of a magical book. And so they want to flip the pages and jab a thing, and then say, God is telling me this. Woo. That is one way to get yourself really, really messed up. You see, if we're, we, we call this, we call this a relationship with Jesus. We come to Jesus, we get saved through the knowledge and we come to a place like that. But we, it's through his written word, through scripture that we get to know him. We get to know his nature. We get to know his character. We get to perceive. You see, if we don't um, have this understanding of the character and nature of God as revealed through the word, we won't ever know God. We will, like Job says, I've heard rumors of you. I thought I knew you. And God, I mean, like, like I said last week, people love to quote and even sing songs about the first, you know, 38 chapters of Job, where Job was making all these mistakes and saying all these things and all these friends were saying were there until God says, okay, let you and me, we're going to talk. Nobody quotes about when God starts talking, when God actually starts speaking. Because they don't understand that. God says very, uh, very funny, very sarcastically. He says, you know so much. We're going to, you, know, you, know, you know everything. And God is like, Job is starting to backpedal. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. You, you know so much. You were there in the beginning when all these things were happening, right? So, you, you know. I, th- I think God, God's sense of humor there is powerful. It's awesome. But, but, but you see, there, there is so much that one has to understand. Um, and I put it this way, wrong way to actually have said it that way. I just want to, you see, a lot of where we're going at here at Lake Haven Church, for example, in the last few years, um, I, I was thinking about it. My son, Ethan, is a Lego guy. He likes Lego, and he's really good at Lego, actually. He makes Chinese puzzle boxes and comes like, Dad, look what I've done. And I'm like, man, that's impressive. He can build stuff. Yeah, you put this in here and pull this and open up, pops that, and you take this here. He, he, he loves to create with Lego, just, and, he, and he's pretty amazing, actually. But, 
But I thought this, you know, with Lego, Lego is, if you've had a son who's into Lego, I don't know how many of you can identify with it. Besides, I'm not sure if Jesus had enough pain as stepping on a piece of Lego. In, no, I'm just kidding. No. no um, Lego, it, Lego is these little modular blocks that all f- can fit together, can snap together, right? And, and it, it, that is the image I had in mind because, because when, when, you, when we teach here, when we paint a picture of different topics and subjects over the years, uh, we build into you modular pieces of information. Just flow with me here. I can't teach the whole counsel of God in a Sunday or even in a series of Sundays. But in a period of a few years, we can lay some really good foundations. But each of these fit together in a certain way. It's not difficult. I'm not trying to make it complicated. I'm just saying that, that what we do is that often we want to run and take one piece of Lego and say, I know what the piece looks like or I know, I, I know what God looks like. Well, yes. You, you have a piece. You, we've spoken about the identity of God. We, we've, spoken about, we've, spoken, we've, we've taught about the covenants. Or we've, we've, we've spoken about grace. Or, or we've spoken about faith righteousness. Or, or we've spoken about the finished work of the cross. Or we've spoken about all of these pieces paint are, are, are parts that fit together. Now what happens, like if you were like me... I came out of a very religious background, and I ended up in astute uh, legalism that nearly destroyed my life. Legalism, legalism is a terrible thing because legalism makes you believe that you have to do something to earn something from God. And I say that again, legalism makes you believe that you have to do something to earn something from God. So you constantly on the sort of on this, on this um, hamster wheel of trying to get God to perform. And, and you f- or you feel like something happens and you feel, oh, God is doing this to me or whatever. Because that, that was the mindset that I had been sort of indoctrinated in, under. But when you find out that that's actually what the Bible calls dead works. You can't do things to earn something from God. And so these pieces... Of, of, of modular, if you will, instruction, um, you may, like me, have come up through certain, you know, you grow and you spend years. Some of you are younger Christians. Some of you are older Christians. Some of you have read a lot uh, and, and read a lot of the Bible and read other books and maybe gone to Bible school or whatever. Uh, what happened to me, though, is that certain pieces, if, they, if they're not put together in a, in a cohesive picture, in, you know, when you have a plan and you see the, the end product, you see, okay, that's what it needs to look like. Like if, if Ethan was building his Legos and he knew this is what it, the, 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 the product is supposed to look like. He has a plan on what it's supposed to look like. But sometimes you see things and it doesn't look like that. The pieces are still there, but they've been put together all weird. Why, Shannon, where are you going with this? Okay. Jesus is the picture. When you see Jesus, when you see how he acts, and you compare his life, and you see how he spoke to people, you see how he taught people, you see this complete picture of what it's supposed to look like and work like. Jesus said this way. He says, the works that I have done, 
you will do also. And even greater than these. He makes these kind of statements. What? Yes. We, we see this perfect image of what it's supposed to look like. Now, if once we're, once we're sold out on this truth, this logos is the manifestation of God, then you have a sure foundation of what it's supposed to look like. You, you can always go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see what it's supposed to look like. And if your theology, brother and sister, if your doctrines, no matter grandma taught them, Bible school taught them, I don't care how fancy the preacher was that preached it to you, if it doesn't look like Jesus, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have some of the pieces in place. Sometimes it just needs to be dissembled and reassembled in a different way. So sometimes people will hear me say something and they're like, oh my gosh, when, when I heard grace, for example, faith righteousness, I had never heard that in my life before. Even though I'd grown up in church, was born again, going to heaven, loved by God. And by the way, you are loved by God. There is no question about you being absolutely 100% loved by God. But when, 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 you didn't, I didn't, when you don't get that picture and, and, and you, you feel, it feels like my whole life, what I'm hearing truth here, and, and it feels like you're destroying my whole Christian life. So what we do, the typical reaction is, let me go back to where it's comfortable. I want to go back to what I know is comfortable. That's very dangerous. You have to make a decision as a disciple to say, Jesus, take me to what you want me to be. And that is the life of humility and teachability that's going to keep you learning. There is a certain amount of discomfort that will come from that because you haven't arrived and neither have I. So there is always a place to say, because, but as soon as you, that is what the Bible calls pride. And pride comes before a fall. You see, when pride, pride is not this hoity-toity arrogance, which can manifest there in one sense. Pride is when you say, oh, I know it. I've been to Bible school. You see, hold it up to Jesus Paul said it in different ways as, you know, he said, like, if you compare yourself with others or you compare yourself with yourself, it's not smart to compare yourself with others. There's this, there's this part that we have to be able to say, okay, Jesus is the image, but this is the reassurance I want to give you. If you've applied anything, if you've taken anything, if you open your heart and you've applied those pieces, even though it may feel like your Lego building has been demolished at times, you still have the pieces. And if you let God, he will snap them back together in the right order, on the right foundation, in the right order. So don't lose hope. And yes, some of those pieces are, whoa, when you, mm, this needs adjustment. This piece ain't going to fit. You hold it up to Jesus. Oops. Doesn't going to fit. Isn't going to fit. You see, now, I've walked this road for a little while, and I've wondered, but, but how do you understand? Shannon, because you say Jesus didn't walk around killing people, and here we see in the Old Testament God killing people. I mean, that's just a common worldly way. But 
There are very, very well, it is easy to explain, relatively easy to explain when you understand God and his plan and his purposes as revealed through scripture. You see, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is for our teaching, for correction, for doctrine, reproof, etc., etc. All scripture. So we don't toss out anything. You know, this is the, 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 the Jesus came along and some, some people who stepped a little far on the one end of the road started saying, oh, well, we don't have to worry about Genesis through Malachi because it's the quote-unquote Old Testament. No, nonsense. You're deceived. If anybody has ever taught you that, I'll tell it, you are deceived. Anything from Genesis to Revelation is the Word of God. It's, but you've got to understand how to unpack it. You've got to understand when to unpack it, and, and, and it becomes simple. It becomes simple with certain just foundational, modular, snap it into, oh, I get it. Covenants, I understand. There was an old covenant and a new covenant. La, la, la. He's like, do you know that the old covenant has passed away? The Old Testament hasn't passed away. You see, most people have the same word. They don't even understand the difference between covenants and testament. They say Genesis to Malachi is the old covenant. No, it's not. It contains the old covenant. The old covenant, the Mosaic covenant. But you do know that the blessing, the, one of the covenants, the, Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant is alive and well today. We're part of it. We're a part of the blessing. That's why we can say every promise is yes and him. Why? Because we're in him. He is part of it. All of those, those, those pieces, and I'm just throwing a piece out there because we, we want to just make things, we don't, if we don't realize the simple truth that this is a journey of discipleship. This is a place we are walking toward. And if you want to understand, if you want to see, he is ready to teach. But nothing comes fast or quickly. And that's not the age we live in. We want it instant. Now you can speed up some things by increasing your knowledge, by doing certain things. You can, you can, you can speed up some things but there's some things you can't speed up. And that's what we see in the parable of the sower. You can't plant seed yesterday and expect to harvest today. There is time. There is time. And I know we don't want to believe that or we think that it's all going to happen sort of automatically. No, 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 it won't. No, it won't. If you don't have an intention to receive the word of God, you won't enjoy the benefits of what that word is. I'm going to say that again. Because I'm not talking about dead works. But if you do not know how to receive the word, you won't enjoy the benefits. I want to take you to the scripture here. Um, that I think is so powerful. Hmm, Mary, let's turn to Luke chapter 1, in your Bibles there, verse 30 to 38. Luke chapter 1, 30 to 38 is when the angel comes to Mary. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, say womb, 
and bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son in the sixth month. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Okay, so powerful piece of scripture here in, in one sense. I want to focus in on, you, you, you get the story, you know the story, but on verse 37, the angel is speaking to Mary and he says this, um, one, one verse before that, he says, he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Most translations put it that way, but they miss out one important Greek word. It's totally, if you go and look it up in Greek Bibles, there is a big Greek word, and it's the word is rhema in that verse. It's totally left out of most translations. We'll get back to that one. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So here, I want you to see why Mary is such an awesome lady. She says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to you, your rhema, actually, just so you what you have just said to me, the spoken word you have given to me, let it be to me according to your word. Basically, because Mary said, I receive that rhema, the word was conceived in her. The logos, she received the word into her womb. Into her womb. She, she received it and Jesus obviously became Jesus in, in time, but she opened to the rhema and it conceived in her. Now, the, verse 37, if you, if you pull it up in the Amplified Bible, it'll show you. It says, for with God, nothing is ever impossible and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. No word shall be without power, another translation says. You can go and look it up in a Greek translation. Some translations use it, some of the literal translations and some of them. No word of God will be without power. You see, God's word is impregnated with power. When God brings his word, you have the ability to plant it in you or not. This is identical, what we see Mary doing is in the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower, the farmer goes out to sow the seed, right? And the seed, as you know, we've spoken about it many times, is what? The word of God. The seed is the word of God. In all of the, the three times the parable is taught in, in different gospels, the seed is the word of God. And it says that the soil is our heart. Our heart. You see, seed listen carefully, needs an environment. Seed needs an environment to grow. The word of God, if you say, oh, well, God spoke it. People do this with prophecies, do it with the word of God. They make this grave error. Because God said it, it's gonna happen. Nope. Every seed 
that is impregnated with the power. No word of God is without power. Every seed that comes from God's word has the power of God. It is impregnated with God himself. The word became flesh. He is the eternal logos. His word, he is, he is the manifest word of God. But we need to understand the, the piece that we play in this is will we receive it into our hearts, let the seed find the soil in our hearts, and will we allow it to grow in our hearts? Well, yeah, if you've, you've got 30 minutes seed of word, uh, you've got 30 minutes once, once a week. Make it 45. Right? That's what a lot of Christians do today. They go to church and like, okay, God, you've got 45 minutes. I'm giving up some of my Sunday. You should be grateful. You know. We wonder why, why won't the seed grow? Why isn't there a manifest? Why aren't we experiencing it? Has it got something to do with God? No. No, the word of God is, cannot be without power. Let me tell you something about God's word too. It is eternally, immutably unchanging and always, it's, it, it is, ah, Hebrews 4, living and active. Living and active. It's not ink on paper. It is living, he is living and active. When we start realizing, hold on a second, I am not reading paper. I'm not regurgitating paper for a catechism class. I am seeing the manifestation. If I'm seeing Jesus in context of who he is, who he's revealed God in the manifestation, manifestation of the Logos, I'm seeing the eternal God. And I'm allowing that to be impregnated in me. And then, like Jesus taught in the parable of so, which we speak about many times, time, gardening, all up to you. You. Not the pastor. You. If you want the word, there is no word from God that doesn't have power. But will you put it in your heart? Will you receive it in your heart? Or will you treat the seed like the hard soil where the birds take it away? Walk out the door and it's gone, poof. Or give it a little bit of soil. Yeah, yeah. But when persecution for the word's sake comes, it's gone. Or will the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires to watch the Kardashians come in and take it away, whatever it is, Okay, let's use something else. Poor Kardashians, they're not such bad people. I mean, how about the latest sports score or the whatever, NASCAR? I'm not against anything. It's, it's like, you know, it's just like, what is the priority? What is the priority? Doesn't mean that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're so apt to do that. We, we want to throw, don't ever watch the TV. Don't ever watch the dope. No, but, but people, if we don't grasp this and say, have an understanding that discipleship means that I, this, is a, this is a powerful truth. Because this truth, if you, if you grasp what God's saying to you, there is nothing that you won't have you be able to lay hold of and see manifest. Because every promise, as we've heard us say so many times, is yes 
and amen in him. And all the many scriptures that we can go into ultimately here, whether it is healing that you need or whether it's financial something, every promise, every bit of lack, if you're experiencing lack in any area, relationally, emotionally, spirit, soul, body, if you're experiencing lack in any way, there is seed for you. There is seed for you. But again, if you say, well, if God loves me, he'll do it. You'll be 40 years down the late, I mean, down the line, waiting for God. And, and then people get irritated. This God thing doesn't work. I'm not going to do this. And they go off to other religions. Well, you know, no. Well, you, you, it just doesn't work that way. And that's what Jesus said. If you don't understand this parable, he said in Mark 4, how will you get anything? How will you receive anything? The eternal word manifest. So there is a bit of understanding over here because when we see Jesus, yes, Jesus did operate under the old covenant, operate. I'm just going to say Jesus' physical life was manifest. He lived and walked while the old covenant was in effect. We know that, right? You know that the new covenant didn't start in Matthew 1 verse 1. He had, after his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, going on high, then he sent his Holy Spirit. All of that happened. So the new covenant was only put into effect after the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. That was when the new covenant was in effect. You see, you see when we have our Bibles and it's just, so these are just, these are just, basic foundational understandings that we need to go back to because the the old testament what we call the old testament Matthew, just genesis through malachi there are beautiful prophecies powerful prophecies isaiah man i, I love isaiah I, proverbs is full of living wisdom proverb if you want to know how to get and and that that'll that'll eat your lunch sometimes right it'll put its finger right on you like Oh, I am selfish and I am self-centered and I'm am, you know, it's, it's not because, it's not because God's saying, Shannon or Hugh or Steve, you're, you're not righteous. You need to do this to be righteous. That's dead works. Why? Because we're grounded in the new covenant. We know that we have been made righteous through faith. You see that piece of the Lego, you need to get down good. The love of God, we speak about all the time. You've got to get that down good. You've heard me give how many messages on the love of God? Because that is such an important thing. God's love for you won't change. But that's not, nothing to do. That's his environment. That's his intention. For God so loved the world. That is his intention. All of those pieces. But, but knowing I am righteous in him. My righteousness has never been because I could earn it. But you see, these are essential little truths that fit together. I should have my Hoberman sphere. Remember, my, I've got it in my office. All of these essential truths fit together. Actually, my Hoberman sphere is a really good thing because if you want to take one piece, it doesn't really work well. <laughs> sort of, but, but, but when you understand this, when you understand that seed, time, and harvest is a thing, then, then, and you understand that it is the Word of God that you're growing in your heart. It's the Word of God. That's why healing you is so powerful. That's why people who are coming to healing you are laying hold of healing that haven't been, haven't experienced healing for years. Why? Because they have never been got a consistent understanding of the truth of God's word. 
Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. And and all of those great instructors instructors from Karis are are teaching us, okay, this is this piece. There's that piece of understanding. So you, but you know what? If you just came religiously and you sat down and said, well, Shannon says, if I sit in this class, then I'm going to get healed. It's coming, it's kind of like coming to church and sitting, no, there is, an, there is an application, there's a personal laying hold of the truth. Yes, like Mary said, as, it is, as you have said, according to you, so be it to me. You lay hold of that, you say, Lord, because you've said it, I'll plant that in my heart. How many times do you remember Mary saying, she kept that in her heart? She kept that in her heart. We have to, we have to receive God's word, bury it in our heart, and then water it, weed it. Because you see, I can't tell you, I, I don't get sick very much. I, I Very rarely do I get sick. I mean, anybody who knows me, my kids can tell you. <laughs> I just, and, and I'm not saying because I'm, I'm better than anybody else. It's just that some of these things are in my heart. And as soon as I feel an inclination some way, I use the things that I've learned about healing to say, no. I speak it out. I use the keys of the kingdom. We've spoken about the keys of the kingdom. I say, key, no. And I'm not necessarily always talking at the devil. I'm speaking to the world. I'm speaking to the circumstance. I'm speaking to the disease. Not everything is a demon. I'm using my God-given authority because that's another modular piece, right? My exousia, my authority in Jesus, my finisher, who I am in Christ. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I'm getting glimpses of who I am. I'm far from the Right. Have I get sick? Oh yeah, I've got sick. Have I had that? Yes, but I've, I've learned a few lessons along the way how to start standing. Why do I know that? Because I put the word in my heart. That's why. Otherwise, what you do is you hear this. Well, yeah, I guess it's going around. We've just got to take that, you know. Or, and then they personalize it. You know, my XYZ disease. Your disease? Well, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> but you just do. You just did it. Why is it your disease? Oh, Shannon, you being semantically. No, I, I, I'm not trying to be, um, what's the word, police? Um, confession police. That's not my point. My point is Jesus said this. He said, what your heart is full will come out of your mouth. There is some powerful scriptures in, I think Matthew 13 and somewhere in Luke where it's the same thing, written slightly different. Jesus said, what your heart is full of the mouth will speak. You see, the heart, and the heart and the spirit, you've heard me touch of it, it's one of the terrible teachings that heart and spirit are the same thing. They are not the same thing. Your spirit is untouchable. Your heart, in your heart, it says, Jesus, do not doubt in your heart. You can doubt in your heart. You can't doubt in your spirit. Your spirit is sealed, it's perfect. You are the one who has to manage your heart. That's why Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart above all else. Your heart is where you put stuff. You put seed into your heart. That is what Jesus said. The seed goes into your heart. You've got to guard your heart. You see, when you, when you form your heart, when you put it into your heart, when, when you allow and disallow certain things, why? Because I've read it. I know it. I've seen it. 
then and you know how it works you, you know a little then you don't have to be a genius this is not difficult this is simple I didn't say it's easy I said it's simple it's not it's not difficult it's not complicated it's 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 simple but if we have to our hearts are the ones that have to be renewed our minds, sorry, our minds get renewed, but we are, are the ones that are aligning our heart with His. And that is a lifelong process. As we renew our hearts and our hearts line up with His heart, then guess what? We speak, and now it makes sense, right? Romans 10 and all the other places that I believed and therefore I spoke. I believed and therefore I spoke. That's how God operates. That's how we operate. But we have to get, we have been taught so much nonsense that we have to be willing to have our little Lego pieces scattered around. And sometimes let the Holy Spirit say, okay, let's talk about this piece and this piece and deal with it. And then as our hearts align with God's word, it makes sense. It fits in. And it's like, okay, clickety-click. I get it. it. Snaps. Oh, wow. I want to encourage you. It's not difficult. It really is simple. Stay hooked up. But I, wanted to, I want to tell you what I have taught for the last, and, and I, you know I'm far from perfect as far as a teacher, preacher, whatever. And I'm not looking for any, you know, anything here. But I'm just saying, that follow with us, follow with what God is talking to us. Use the pieces and, and, and lay hold of them. Get them into your heart. Allow your mind to be renewed. Allow your mind to be lined up with how God thinks. His view, glory, his view and opinion, we've spoken about it, his view and opinion. Jesus came to reveal the glory of God, the nature of God. His goodness, his faithfulness, every piece, his unchanging nature, his immutability is the fancy word they call for it. God doesn't change, it says in James, as the shadow of turning. He is faithful. You see, I used to think this, that you had to wait for some God, you're going to pray and you're going to pray, and then eventually God's going to speak to you. Mm, rarely, rarely. You see, it's more like you waking up to God's ever, you know, God's words are living and active. They don't return void. They are there. The truth is resounding and will resound through all ages. The truth is there. God's spoken. It's echoing throughout eternity. It's not like you sitting back and saying, God's not talking to me. God's not talking to me. When's he going to talk to me? Uh, No, he's spoken. Spoke once, boom, the truth is rippling through eternity. Back and forward, it's truth. It's truth is there. What you need to do is like, what did you say? Incline your ear. Ah. Put it in your heart. Grow it in your heart. Get it in your heart. And then suddenly you are, oh. Oh, I had an idea. Do you get, you see? 
His truth, His word, His eternal nature is the same. God hasn't changed. He hasn't had a good idea today. Hey, let me get an angel to go and tell us to... No, it's truth. It's, it's always there. He is the eternal word. Manifest. Manifest. And there's so many scriptures, whether it's success uh, or whether it's healing or, or, or whatever you, you name. And I've got a bunch here. We're not going <laughs> to go through them today. But, but whatever it is, there is seed for you seed for you will you lay hold of it because your heart is full of something we all are our hearts are full of something our belief systems are full of something if you want to find out what's in your belief system take a step back and ask Jesus to Lord show me what's coming out of my mouth if you find that you're super critical that you're always talking badly about people if you're doing this or you're doing that guess what it's kind of like a barometer God's not mad at you but it's just it'll tell you where your heart is at now listen if you're born again your spirit is righteous in Christ I'm not talking about earning anything you follow me right you have you're born again and you've received Jesus, you have his righteousness. We're exchanged. Like I said, don't listen to the Easter message. We have this incredible gift from him. But this is such an incredible truth. Jesus was made, the, he is the image of God, made manifest. We can easily see how he acted, how he acted towards sinners, how he acted towards a woman caught in adultery, how he acted towards Pharisees, how he spoke towards people, how he spoke to people that weren't of Israel, how he spoke all that, how he spoke to his disciples, how he, it's, there's so much truth in looking at the life of Jesus and saying, wow, I see you, Father. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you for your love and faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that you are the same throughout all eternity. Your faithfulness, your faithfulness knows no end, Lord, that when we come to you, we know that you're the same. And you don't change. You don't have favorites. You don't treat one person better than another. The same God who does not show favor. Father, we just open our hearts to receive your word if you will just open your heart this morning and just say Lord you know um, show me I'm willing I'm willing to be untaught I'm willing to let my little Lego pieces be adjusted thank you for your love thank you for your continued love thank you for the revelation that you give me Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher and the comforter. I want you to remember that. The Holy Spirit is with us. He's with you. He will teach you and show you and lead you into all unrighteousness. Lead you into righteousness from unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
This morning, I just want to say again, if you do not know Jesus or for any reason you feel like you've rejected him or you have been away from him, all you need to do is with a heart intention, just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm coming back to you. I receive you. He will be there. He is there. He will meet you exactly where you're at. Know that his attitude towards you is like that father of the prodigal who runs. He, that's his attitude. It always is. He is always looking out for you. He loves to hang out with you. He likes to give you a party. He wants to put slippers on your feet, sandals on your feet, the ring of sonship, clothe you with that robe. All of those things is for you. All you need to say is like, Jesus, I need you. There's none of this is by only. Thank you, Jesus. We receive that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering to people this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit.